0: so good to see everybody. It's good to be back. I know for me personally, man, I've been missing this so much because it's one thing to be able to do that virtually. It's great to be able to be outside, but it's absolutely great to actually be together in some form of normalcy, which we are, um, I've been looking forward to. I hope you have been as well. Uh, As he was mentioned, we got a lot of cool things happening. Just want to remind you, River trip is back. It's happening now. We have clearance to go on the river um, unless they stop us, but otherwise we're going. Okay. The only difference this year out of every other year beforehand, some 30 odd years, is we're making it this to go around family. So if you for the one time want to come and you're just like, man, I've been wanting to go and it's only been guys, but now it's a, you can come. Come join us. Have a good time. Just a reminder, though, for any of those who are wanting to come, there's no toilets. There's no cabanas. There's no uh, butlers. There's no AC. I mean, you're in God's great country. So if you've got to use the bathroom, make sure you watch out for the poison ivy, okay? You follow me, right? So it's going to be an amazing trip. It's a lot of fun. We literally have 30 spots. I know 20 are already taken. So if that's you and you're just like, I want to go, it's the cheapest trip you will ever take. I mean, literally, we spend money as a church to be able to have the trip, and it's only 125 bucks to go. covers your food. You just need to have a little money on the way there, a little money on the way back for trinkets and stuff like that, but it's an amazing trip. Just being apart and being away from all the technology and all the junk. Probably do a lot of you good to detox from all the social media nonsense that we are soaking into our bodies and spilling out of our hearts, right? If y'all will turn with me in the Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. We are closing this series called God Said What, and the whole series has been based off of people's Say or attribute to God things that He simply didn't say. And we misutilize Bible verses in our lives and we're just like, well, God, you let me down. Like, God never let you down. You just didn't read His Word correctly. And there's been times where maybe that's occurred for you and you're just angry with God. Okay, God is good. It does not change His goodness depending on what you're going through. You might be angry, you might be frustrated, you might be anxious. But we've got to tell our emotions when to get on and when to get off. We've got to allow the truth of God's word to be the one in which dictates our lives. And so that's so important. We can't force feelings. I get that. But you can choose to allow yourself to be in vicinity of where those feelings could be. And so we've got to continue to align ourselves with God's word. We're in week 22. And I don't know about you, but this feels like week one, week two. I mean, 2020 has started over for me. Everybody was like, 2020 is going to be like the best year of my life. You know, you, you had that at like the very beginning of the year, like 2020, I'm going to lose like 20 pounds and I'm going to be like 20 times smarter than I was before because it's 2020. You know, my vision's going to be clear. And it's like, no, because you're going to lose your job, son. You know what I'm saying? They're going, to tell, they're going to tell you to stay inside and not go nuts. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, no. 2020 has been a wild year, but that's why we got a new series coming up next week called Thrive. And the whole point of that series is this. No matter what season you find yourself in, you cannot always choose that, right? Cannot always choose where we find ourselves. We can choose the perspective that we have, a godly perspective when going through that season so that we can best navigate that season to glorify God because in the long run and short run, Doing that which is pleasing to God is always best, always. God never lies, God never fails, Proverbs 30, verse five. Every single word of God proves to be true and that's how we need to live our lives. And I'm, I'm just, I'm excited to be back. I'm back, to, you know, I haven't preached in a while. I know it was like a week ago, but then it was off for a couple weeks and now I'm, I'm here. So they told me I gotta be short, so I'm gonna do my best. You know how that goes, right? Today, I'm delighted to tell you that we are doing a message called, Only God Can Judge Me right? Automatically when I say only God can judge me, I'm just like, man, I want to turn around with a cool English letter tattoo on my back going across and be like, only God can judge me, baby. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been, you've been around people like that before that are just like, only God can judge me, right? Well, yes, that should scare the fire out of you. You know, that that should freak you out when you're over here like, yeah, only God, because typically why do people say only God can judge me, one, they get it from a misreading, which we're going to read this morning, of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, typically. But they also use it because, well, I don't want you in my lane. I don't want you telling me what I should and shouldn't be doing. And I don't want you dealing with my sin or my stuff. And so you just need to get out of my life because only God can judge me, right? You throw that hand, right? Hand starts moving a little faster when you start doing that stuff. Hand goes on the hip. I don't know what a guy does, but, you know, we get upset. It's like, only God can judge me. I, I don't know. We're confusing Caleb with Tupac. Tupac's song was called Only God Can Judge Me. K-Love music, you know what I'm saying? Like A lot of Christians are starting to try to pull Egypt out of them. They've been released from bondage, but Egypt's still hanging out with you. I'm just telling you, we've got a wrecking... That was funny. Y'all are like, <laughs> Tupac, K-Love, where does this all go? The whole point is that too many of us are buying into some of this equation in our own lives. When you look up Only God Can Judge Me, 208 million uh, responses come up on Google. I want to tell you this. When you get a speeding ticket and you think it's going to be a cool idea not to pay it, well, guess what? Sooner or later, you're going to stand before someone who's called a judge. You commit a crime and you have to go before a judge. And you're like, well, that's the one instance in life where you got to go before a judge." Oh. How about this? You get a job. You decide not to show up for the job. Guess who's going to judge you by firing you? You don't show up on time multiple times in a row and they love you enough to actually tell you what's true. They will fire you. You get judged. You're like, man, but there shouldn't be any judgment at work. Yes, there should. If you do shoddy work, you should be fired, especially as a Christian. I, I, I mean, I have no problem whatsoever saying that as a Christian, we should do the best work in whatever field that God has called us to and whatever passions that God has given us, even if we're beginning in that area and we're not nearly as good as we're going to be. Remember, it's always a journey. Let's just make sure wherever we're at, let's make sure we're doing our very best because it's always God honoring to do our best. At school, you get judged. You're like, no, school has safe zones. No, no, no. You either make an A or a B because you studied, or maybe God gave you a great mind, and somehow or another you eke your way through and you don't even have to study, or you get a C, D, or an F because you failed. And I know school now doesn't give grades anymore. It's like a green light, yellow light, red light. But I want to tell you this. In life, there are winners and losers when it comes to what happens with what you do or don't do. So we've got to be aware of these things. So everywhere we go, you are being judged. Just wake up call, right? But somebody would say, Yeah, but only God can truly judge me. Okay, that should freak you out. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30 and 31 says this, for we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. You ready for it? It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the what? Of the living God. Like when, when you're over here saying, man, only God can judge. Only only The God who knows every thought and motivation of your heart, even when people thought that you were halfway decent in reality, God knows you from the innermost of your being, who sees every action. Hebrews 4.13 says that everything is exposed and we're naked before God, which is another way of saying there's not a single thing you've ever done, ever thought that God is not unaware of. God is fully aware. You can deceive yourself about, well, nobody else knows. God knows and he's the only one that matters, truly matters. Okay, you following with me this morning? Like, we, we need to recognize when we have that thought that that is the hardness of sin in our lives that is causing us to think that way. God is the one who judges us. But by the grace of God, he sent forth his son Jesus Christ to die for my sins and for your sins and for those who receive him and believe in him. They are given the right to be born again. Sins forgiven, conscience clean. We get to live in newness of life. Amen? Man, that's good stuff. See, we gotta begin to recognize that if God is not a God of judgment, Abraham calls him the judge of all the earth, then then what are we serving? You know, and some people are like, well, I don't want a God who judges. You, you don't want a God who judges? Have you ever thought of how ridiculous that is to say, I don't want a God who judges? Okay, so you're telling me that you're cool with the Hitlers of this world and the Stalins and the Mussolinis, and that's just the 20th century monsters, and there's so many more whose names don't get on billboards, right? All of those people throughout all of history, Hitler committing suicide, you're saying that that's justice? You're saying you're cool with basically that being the it? You're saying for the Jeffrey Epsteins of this world who... who horrendously abused people. You're saying that that's enough, that he commits suicide or someone does it for him in prison. You're telling me that's enough. You're telling me that things that happen to you or things that you're going through, that that's enough because somehow or another, our justice system is up to par and ready to help meet out justice. You're telling me that's enough and I'm telling you it's not. God deals with people and that should bring, as followers of Jesus Christ, peace in our lives. Because Romans 12 tells me very clearly. I don't have to think about it. It tells me, leave room. It says make room for the vengeance of God. Make room for the wrath of God. It means that I don't always have to go eye for eye, tooth for tooth, because I've been brought out of an old covenant into a new covenant. I don't always have to figure out, have they done enough for me to forgive them because I've been set free of my own sins and I'm wicked, okay? That's just reality, God is perfect, I'm wicked, therefore I've been empowered to be able to live a life that I'm able to be gracious, that I'm able to be merciful, that I'm able to forgive. I'm able to do these things not because of me, but because of God, right? It's not because I'm great, it's because God's great. All the injustice that you see in the world, God will deal with. For every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Isaiah 45, verse 23. Everyone will stand before almighty God and give account of their lives. So I'm gonna tell you this. If you're not covered by the blood of Jesus, Moses, his right-hand man, said, I fear and tremble. I fear and tremble. He was fearful of God on Mount Sinai. It talks about in Hebrews. Man, I'm just telling you. Like When somebody says, only God can just you're right. You're right. I tell you what, you want grace, you don't want justice. You want grace, you don't want justice. Y'all ready for the text this morning? So Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7, he tells us about how this new kingdom living is to be lived out. He tells us that it's, it's not just, did you commit murder? No, no, no. Do you even have desires of anger building in your heart? Do you have even remoteness of bitterness for you've committed murder in your heart, adultery and so forth? He begins to say this is internalized long before it ever becomes external. He even says, if you call a brother or sister Rocco, which means fool, if you slander their name who's created in the image of God, he says, you are marching your way to murder. And you're just like, man, but that's too far. Well, he lets you know how far gone we are. Man, that's too harsh. He lets us know how far gone we are when he tells us his words. And you're like, I could never keep that. And the answer is, you're right. You couldn't ever keep it. But God is so good and so merciful and so gracious he sent forth his son, man. Uh, That's good news. Judge not, verse one, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You following that this morning? Why do you see the speck In your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls to pigs, lest they trample them underfoot, and turn and attack you. And this is the word of the Lord this morning. What we're going to find in here today is the way in which we are to approach people, the way in which we are to live our lives in humble submission to God, and not to be people seeking to find faults in others, but being people who are seeking reconciliation and redemption. Every single breakdown that we have between interpersonal relationships within the family of God is always intended, first and foremost, reconciliation, first with God, then with the person, in restoration, not throwing away, not doing things to say, I no longer won't you to know it's reconciliation and restoration? That's God's plan. That's what God's called us to. You're like, yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not into it. Listen, stop asking for God's blessings when you're seeking intentionally to be disobedient to His very words, which brings blessings when you do it. But I don't understand it. I heard that we're called to live by faith and not by sight, and there's going to be a lot of stuff you don't understand. Well, if I can't understand it, I'm not going to do it. Are you kidding me? I agree. Thank you. Number one is this. You may not want to throw stones if you live in a glass house, right? Isn't that proverbial? You may not want to throw stones if you live in a glass house, which is another way of saying every single person in here is a sinner. Every one of you, including me, right? Every single one of us, typically when it comes, whether it's social media or people who are loudmouthed and so forth, typically it's the ones who say the most who should be speaking the least, Typically, it's the ones who say the most who should be speaking the least because they're not saying a whole lot of anything. They're just spewing nonsense out of their mouth or through posts. And God's over here saying, you, you've lost your mind. Paul even tells us very clearly, he says, Mark device the people so that they can be dealt with. You know, some people read these verses and like, well, that means you don't ever judge me. Listen, you're misunderstanding it. You are not God. You are not in the place of knowing their motives fully. You are not in the place of bringing condemnation for those in Christ Jesus have been what? Romans 8.1, there is no longer condemnation, but there is right action that is taken in a meek, mild, and kind manner, filled with grace, but spoken in truth. Y'all following? Filled with grace, spoken in truth, We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Sin leads to death no matter what. And if we allow one of our brothers and sisters to march slowly but surely, small sin, big sin, however you want to judge the sin, if we allow them to continue in that path and we sit as a bystander, you are equally, I am equally guilty to watch them go off the deep end. Some of us are over here saying, well, that's not me. I got to stay in my lane. Listen, we're all in the same narrow path Broad is the way to destruction and how dare we not love someone enough to say, you're going in the wrong way. You're going in the wrong way. We've got to love each other enough to be able to do it. This is a staunch warning against divisive people always looking to find shortcomings in other. Verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you measure, it will be measured to you. What's he saying? What's he getting at here? He's saying that this is the principle of reciprocity. Those who are gracious... And those who are kind, you will receive grace and mercy, not only in this life, but in our relationship with God. But those who are hard-hearted and harsh and fault-finding, always looking to find some way that you tripped or that you fell or that you didn't make it all the way through and how they're better than you, what ends up happening? We begin to see very clearly that a heart has not been changed or They've been numb to the very sin in their own lives. And so they have a log in their eye. Therefore, they're blind. Therefore, they can't see. But yet they're able to find the speck in a brother or sister's eye. You see, one of the things that bothers us the most in other people typically is stuff that is in our own life, an area of weakness and failing. And it's so much more heightened because it's an area of weakness and failing that we see it in other people so much more clearly. It's not because you're without fault. And what does Jesus say? Jesus does not say, don't go to them. Jesus says, get the log out first. Get your heart right first. Can you approach that person with love? Can you approach that person with compassion? Can you approach that person first saying, Lord God, show me in my life before I go to them? Because I don't know about you, but I've heard people before yelling and screaming at me, you're wrong. You failed again. You did it. Yes, again. I get amens one way or another, right? Think about this for a second. But when people tell us that even if we're wrong, we cannot hear it because we know that they do not care. Theodore Roosevelt said it that way that we don't know or people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, like they, they, they want to know how much do you act? Do you even care about me? And so Jesus goes on to illustrate what it looks like for judgmental people. And he talks about you're finding a speck while you've got a log in your eye and how hypocritical that is. Like first take out the log before you ever go after the speck. You know, he's helping us. And I want to say this, there's specks in all of our lives, by the way. There's specks in all of our lives. It's hard sometimes to fill a speck in your eye until someone begins to point it out. But it makes all the world's difference as to how they approach you about that speck And how their attitude is in the context, are you being gentle in bringing it up? You know what I'm saying? And gentleness is a word that changes according to the person and the context and the situation as to what is best for them. How do I best love them? Some people, you know, it's with kids, right? Think about it with some kids. Some kids, you can break your paddle on them and they're basically like, don't report me. That, you know, they're basically like, ah, you didn't do nothing to me. You know, they walk off with their shoulders all broad and stuff. But some kids, you can give them a look and they're like, hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like everybody's different. And so how are you being, when you go to that person and you share with that person about the speck, about the sin, about the area in their life. Jesus dealt with this all over the place, specifically in Matthew 23, he's dealing with the Pharisees and he's saying, you blind guides, you hypocrites. He's like, you wash the outside, but inside you're dead. You're dead. You know, he's over here telling them, you pull out a little bitty gnat, but you swallow camels whole. You have no issue with doing the things. Listen, you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, but you don't do the things that are weightier, which is justice and faithfulness and mercy. He's like, you should do the small things, but you should be focused as well on the big ones. Don't miss it. Too many times. We begin to find ourselves being judgmental of other people because we are blinded to our own sin in our lives. When we have that attitude, I mean, this is for me personally, this message is geared for me today. It's when you have that attitude of harshness, man, that's the beginning, just initially, begin, Lord God, have I forgotten what I've been forgiven of? Have, have, have I failed to see my shortcomings? Have I, have I missed all that you've done for me? We all have specs, and some of us are dealing with logs. We all have specks and some of us are dealing with logs. You see, Peter, or Paul, says it very clearly in Romans 2.1. He says, therefore, we have no excuse, O oh man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. Every single time we tell someone you ought not and then we follow up in some ways, fashion or form, doing the exact same thing, we are what? You ready for it? Hypocrites. My kids get me all the time. If I gave them their way, they would uh, eat all the candy in the pantry, you know, and uh, and so like I tell them, hey, like two pieces of candy, three pieces of candy, whatever. And so if I get three pieces or four pieces, one over whatever I told them, my son will be like, Dad, like you got four pieces, you told us to get three pieces. I'm like, I'm twice your size, son. Like my body's able to digest the sugar properly, you're unable to. My dad used to help me all the time. I'd be watching television and he wouldn't like what I was watching. He said, son, you're not qualified to handle the remote. Let me see that. I'll help you with it because you don't know what channel you should have went to. I don't know if Fox News is still 360 on whoever's channel that they're watching, but it sure is always like boom, 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 always back to the same one. You know, some places have like a rub board where you can tell someone's walked again and again and again. That remote, at least those three channels, don't exist anymore. They're all like sunk down in there. You know what I'm saying? We see, though, that Jesus is not telling us that we're to stop calling what's right and what's wrong. He's not telling us that at all. He's telling us that the way in which we go about this makes all the difference in the world. Are you dealing with you first before you're trying to help them? Because you can't help them if you haven't first gone to the one who's able to help you. You can't help anyone when you're already in the down and the out. You need to be able to be filled up, to be poured back out. You need the fullness of God in your life. And we see a great example in John chapter eight, verse one through 11. I'm not going there, but check it out later. You see a woman who's brought in. She's caught in adultery. They drag her in, probably half naked, throw her before Jesus in the wee early morning hours. And it says that Jesus looks at her and these men say, the law says that we should stone her. What do you say? And he begins to write on the ground. As we remember, we don't know what he wrote, but he began to write. He began to say to them, he says, you who are without sin, you cast the first stone and bends back down and begins to write again. Then it says in verse eight, I believe, he goes on that the older To the younger began to slowly but surely walk away for every single person there knew that they were not there for the sake of the woman. They were not there for the sake of justice. They were only there to catch Jesus. No longer was she created in the image of God. She was an object to be used to catch him in some form and fashion so that they could destroy him. What did Jesus say to her? You stupid woman. Why did you do that? You see what I had to do? They almost got me. You should have known better. She knew better. Verse 10. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? As no one condemned you, she said, No one, Lord. It doesn't say this in the text, but I can imagine her eyes never looked up. Shame, guilt, tears, if any clothes, minimal, because they ripped her out of a bed, out of a setting. No guy, just her. This is what Jesus said to her. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. It's not get out of jail card. Jesus bled for this woman. He didn't say, well, you got off this time. Go live it up. No, no, no. Jesus said, go and sin no more. But the sin that we commit is the sin that we're enslaved to. True freedom is to do the will of God. Secondly, we must choose what is right over what is comfortable. We've got to have a balance here. Because if you take part of this message, you just take part one, you're just like, well, man, we shouldn't, we shouldn't say anything to anyone. And the answer is you should absolutely, with the right heart, say when you see someone else in sin, whether it's a speck or whether it's a log to address these people. We've got to have balance here. You know, some people say, well, listen, it's not my business to get into their business. We are a family. We're the the people of God. And you're like, well, I just come here to sit on Sunday mornings. No, no, no. We are the people of God. Our spiritual relationship is far thicker than blood. Our spiritual relationship is far thicker. And some of y'all are like, no, I can't be true. It's absolutely true. There are a lot of people in your bloodline who, if they do not know Jesus, love Jesus, and love the truth, you will not be with them in eternity. Do you understand that? This is reality. We talk about, well, those are just little sins. No, no, no. These are people's souls that are eternally bound either to be with God or to be separated from God forevermore. We've got to understand there's far more in the balance than are they caught up with some hang ups and do I just want to deal with these people or not? No, these are people. These are souls. It's far more than that. Ezekiel chapter 3 and chapter 33, they both talk about Ezekiel as a watchman for God. And he set him over the people and he says, when I tell you that someone's doing wrong and you don't tell them, their blood guilt is on your head. And the same applies for us when we see a brother or sister who is in sin. Galatians 6.1 says that we are to go to those who are in sin and we are to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Key on those words, gentleness. We are called To judge between right and wrong. But I thought you said earlier we're not called. Yes, we are called to absolutely judge between right and wrong. Isaiah chapter 5 says that people today call what is evil good and good evil. We are to be the light and we are to be the salt. And if we're not speaking truth, there is no possible way that we can truly be those things. We can't preserve and we can't bring light into darkness unless we are willing to speak the truth. Because that's the only way you're going to get free. Now, it might destroy your world to begin to live out that truth, but I want to tell you, if it destroys your world to live out God's truth, then that means your world was hell. That means that the world that you were living in was not God's intention for you and was not the world that you were called to be in. If the truth of God's word destroys the life that you have so far been living, here's a great opportunity to repent and turn to Jesus and so be saved and so walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to judge the actions of those within the church. And you're like, man, where does it say that? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. Check out the context of chapter 5, but he says it very clearly. We're not called for those outside the church, but we are called to judge those within the church. Why? So that we can remain pure because we are the body of Christ, we are the family of God, and we know right from wrong. We've been given the what? The spirit of truth. Go one chapter up, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, how can you not judge between trivial things, between followers of Christ, when we're going to judge the world. Then he goes on to say, you're going to judge angels. And you're like, I'm going to judge what? Yeah. Yeah. You got to balance chapter 7 with chapter 18 of Matthew. He says, if someone has sinned, I want to first say that this can be generic, sin." or if someone has sinned against you, interpersonal relationship problems. What do you do? You go to them. You go to them. This is not me making suggestions. You go to them. You have to go to them. And you begin to share with them what you see after you've done chapter what? Seven. Taking the log out of your own eye so that you can go to them, Galatians 6.1, in a spirit of gentleness so that there can be what? There can be healing. There can be restoration. There can be reconciliation. Always the same deal. Always the same goal. You see, know, some people are like, well, I'm not my brother's keeper. That's the same thing Cain said right after he killed his brother Abel. If you have that mentality, well, I'm not, I'm not responsible for them. Yes, you are. You're like, well, I can't make decisions for them. Absolutely not. But you sure can make the decisions that are most God honoring, most God glorifying in the midst of whatever season you find yourself in. Matthew 7, verse 12, never forget what Jesus said. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. All too often we choose temporal calm over long-term peace. We talk about politicians all day long. They're always kicking it down the road for someone else. They're kicking the can they're always making it to where we've got more and more debt. I want to tell you this right now, there's too many of us who are kicking the can when it comes to sin either in our own lives or in the lives of people who are close enough to us within vicinity that we have influence over, and we're not willing to say anything about it because of what? We're loving comfort more than we're loving the person in that season. We're loving comfort more than we're loving the person in that season. We've got to recognize that to love your neighbor as yourself means that we've got to deal with stuff. Because there's a lot of stuff about me I hate. I hate. Like, if you think I'm only halfway decent, man, this is the best i got to offer Sunday mornings. Like, this is it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much about me, but I'm stuck with me. Therefore, I learned to love me and hate the sin that's still dwelling within me. And if I'm going to love myself, then i got to what? Love your neighbor as your. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know what? It's one of the hardest things you're ever going to do when you go to confront someone. Because we've been taught the wrong way. We've, we've watched way too much of Jerry Springer and all that other crap about how to, you know, you go up to somebody shaking the hand. and No, 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 no. It's not Christianity. That is a world hell bound. That is a broken world. Do not use their way. Do not use their system. Do it God's way. Even when it's difficult. Because the hardest thing that you will ever have to do in this area is not so much receive the rebuke from someone else, it's to tenderheartedly give the rebuke to someone else because you know in the process of doing it, the opportunity for loss is great because you don't know where their heart is. Listen to me. You cannot choose their response. Their response tells you the heart condition of the person. It tells you how great the log may be in their eye, but that nonetheless is a command from God that we would go to them after first inspecting ourselves and saying, I love you so much. But this is an area that I see. Leviticus 19, 17. ESV does a pretty decent job. NIV is a little bit easier to understand, so I, I chose it. Do not hate a fellow Israelite. Let's make it personal. Who's the Israelites? People of God. Do not hate a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Do not hate them. You're like, well, no, no, no. I would never hate them. Let's make it more personal. Do not hate a fellow fellowship community family member. You know, do, do not hate them. Well, Joshua would never hate them. Listen to how he says it though. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in their guilt. What does that mean? It means when they're committing sin and you know what they're doing and you know that it's detrimental to their soul and to their health and you know that it's wrong but you are unwilling to say anything to them, you are guilty along with them. That's 100% what that verse says and that has nothing to do with Josh having a wrong interpretation. That's what that verse says. Let's make it even clearer. Proverbs 27 verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Too many of us have too many yes men and yes women in our lives telling us what we want to hear when we need some people who honestly love God more than they love the pleasure of being our friends or being whatever to us. We need people who love God and fear God more than they fear man and are willing to talk truth into our life. Y'all find this balance. Point one is what? We're not acting like idiots, always looking for fault. We're looking for what? How can we love people the way that God's called us to? Now, how do we do it? We do it with truth, point two. So where does this lead us to? It closes us right here. Those who've received mercy, point three, and close, show mercy. Those who've received mercy, they show mercy. That's how this works. Verse five, you hypocrite. It sounds harsh, but Jesus loves us enough to tell us. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Man, that's it. That's good. So why are some people so difficult? Always trying to find shortcomings in other people. Well, it's because they got a log in their eye. Hurt people. Ready for the cliche? Hurt people. Misery loves company. You can either look through with the eyes of man or you can look through with the eyes of God and see spiritual things occurring. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities. We wrestle against demonic entities. We wrestle against things. We need to be very careful as to what we hear, what we listen to, and what we fill ourselves with. For what we fill ourselves with will flow back out, no doubt, no choice. It will. So we've got two questions we really need to be asking ourselves. Have they experience the grace and forgiveness of God? Are they born again? And on the other side of it, or have they forgotten Christ's saving work in their own lives? Have they become hardened by sin and unaware of God's grace in their own lives? Have, have, have they so slowly but surely gotten off that path where they begin to say, man, I, I see I see your stuff. I see your problems. I see your guilt. You should be, I see it. But all along, God's over here saying, you're so blind. Can't you see it right here? You see, mercy shows evidence of a heart made right by the work of God's grace. Mercy shows evidence. How does it show evidence? Well, God God showed us. He, He showed us the way. Jesus took your judgment on that cross so that you could receive His mercy. He took your judgment so you could receive His mercy. If that doesn't change your life, then I'm afraid you haven't received that mercy and that grace. Because people who are unable to forgive, and maybe that takes forever, maybe it takes a long time, but people who are unable to forgive, man, you got to recognize what you were forgiven. The whole basis in the New Testament Ephesians chapter four, verse 31. Colossians chapter three, verse 13. Every single time it tells us to forgive from our hearts, what is he saying? Always refers back to what? Because you have been forgiven by Christ. What is this? God who's never done a single thing wrong to you, owes you not a single thing, yet you've sinned against him left, right, up, down. He died for you and forgave you. How as finite creatures, as fallen and jacked up as we are, Are we unwilling to show mercy to other fallen, jacked up creatures in grace and forgiveness? James 2.13, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Is your life filled with visible acts of mercy? Is it? Because remember this, You can talk all day long but if there's no fruit then the tree's dead. You can talk all day long but if there's no fruit then the tree's dead. A lot of us got a good game of talk but is there visible I'm just telling you it's not in your notes but it's worth just at least meditating on is there visible acts of mercy in your life and continuing to ask God for grace to show more to other people for With Moses came the law, with Jesus Christ came grace and truth. Let's stand as we close. Father, we come before you humbly submitting ourselves, recognizing, Lord God, that we are sinners, every single one of us, Father. And how easy it is to get into that arena of our lives to begin to think, well, my, you know, I'm not so bad, I'm not. I'm not like them. And Lord God, just the hardness that becomes in our hearts, a root of bitterness that begins to grow. Lord God, may Satan not have his way in our lives, in our hearts. Father God, may we as your children continually run before your throne of grace to receive that mercy, repenting of our sins, reconciling our relationship with you first and foremost, Lord God, so that we can do that with others. Too many of us were running on empty, wondering why we're not going anywhere. Father, we need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. We need to be able to sing spiritual songs and praise, Lord God, every single act. May it be an act of glory, of worship, Father. There is only freedom in the name of Jesus. There's only peace in the name of Jesus. There's only peace where there's the Holy Spirit, Lord God. There's freedom. There's liberty. Father, may we as your people be filled with your Spirit, day in and day out, seeking to glorify you And as hard and as difficult at times as this life may be, Father, may our hearts and may our treasure be in heavenly places with you, Father, that our yearning and our longing and our desire and our happy and joyful expectation is seeing you face to face. And that will forever change the way we live, not just with our obedience, but with our passion and pleasure to obey and to love. If there be a soul in here this morning who's never truly called upon the name of Jesus to be Lord and Savior. May today be the day. May today be the day of repentance and turning to Christ and receiving mercy and grace and sins being forgiven. May the journey begin. Father, as we walk out of these doors, Father, may we be your people who shine bright in this dark world. Father, may we be people of peace who speak truth, Father God, in our country, Lord, with all the division and all the tension, Lord God, Father, me, may we of all people, Father, may we be faithful to teaching and proclaiming your word and living out, Father. Father, we're so thankful that you love us. May we live for you every single day. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. I'll see you guys next week. Y'all have a blessed week.